Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekends were made for sports. How would you like to play for the New England Patriots? I'd love to. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. Everyone, meet freelance alien bounty hunter, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp? The football guy? Yeah, I hunt aliens now. Used to catch TDs, now I catch ETs. You ever caught an alien, Shannon? Not yet, Mr. Question, but I'll let you know when I do. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. Oh, isn't this wonderful? Look at this room. What a beautiful room. Have you seen this room? Yes, we're in it. And Rashad Taylor. Okay, dude, I can see you don't want to be cheered up here. Come on, Donnie, let's go get us a land. On ESPN Sports Radio 1080, The Fan. What do you think on the table? Trust. This is also a great song. I used to work out to this, work out to this in, in high school and college. This is an awesome song. Chop Suey, System of a Down. Oh yeah, that was really, really big. What our junior senior year high yeah, school. Yeah, it was somewhere around there. Yeah, so that was a that was a good song. Though. It's it's hard not to get amped up for that song, you know. So I'm glad that's the second, the lead-in song for the for the second hour because yeah. every time I'm here, like okay, pressure's on. Let's go, fam. Bring it one more time. Absolutely. 10.05 right here on The Fan. It's a, it's a beautiful Sunday morning. At least I, I I think it is. It was when I came in. There wasn't too many clouds outside. Looking pretty good out Again, of my if you window. listen to this show, then you know that we have no access to outside. We can't see it. There's, uh, I, If I sit in the main Rops chair, then I can kind of see out the window of the studio of the boardroom. So I got I get to look through like three windows to see outside. So in here there's nothing though, but I do have thirty for thirty on. So I guess that's all about all a girl could ask for. So the Blazers aren't making very many moves during free agency, but most feel like they have a roster that's constructed to get ready to do some major things this year. I think a lot of fans kind of think last year was an aberration. Last year was kind of a mistake. They 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 came out slow. Um, they didn't really learn to gel until right around the, the Nurkic trade, and then from there they kind of took off running until Nurkic went down with the with the shin injury. Since then, though, I think I think most Blazer fans have been incredibly happy with the direction of the team. Now, mind you, a couple things happened. You didn't land Paul George, but that's cool. There's 29 other teams that didn't land him either, so you're good. You didn't land Jimmy Butler. You weren't willing to give up what they were trying to ask for, even though it seems like Jimmy Butler, they traded him for some for some marbles and a couple popsicle sticks, and they were able to get one of the best wing players in basketball in Minnesota. But if you're the Blazers right now, if you're a Blazer fan right now, 
How do you feel about your team not really making any moves? Because, or is it not, maybe not making any moves? Let me take that back because I'm sure that Olshay and company have tried to make moves. How do you feel about them not landing those moves? I think is a better question because it goes back to that old that old thing that man, free agents just don't want to come to Portland. And I think it would be different. And I say this all the time: if basketball were a spring and summer sport, it would be impossible for people not to want to play here. It's beautiful. Go down to Tom McCall Park today and look at the Blues Fest and all the people that will be there. You know, go, go take a look at the Sandy River or the Clackamas River and tell me that's not somewhere that's popping right now. So I think if it were if it were spring and summer, yeah, I think you would be more inclined to play here. But let's just be honest. You play for, oh, no, throw, throw a team out there for me, Jesse, any random team. doesn't matter. Well, we'll just go with the Utah Jazz. You go play. You, well, that's probably bad. Can you give <laughs> right, me a no, better LA one than Clippers, Utah? All right. Yeah, okay. Right, well, right. yeah, okay. You play for the Clippers, right? Yeah. Uh, you come to Portland twice a year. Now, mind you, you're from L.A. You live, you play in L.A. You're used to 72 degrees all year. Uh, I went to L.A. during Christmas time, and it was, it was 70 degrees. I was in a wife beater outside. But you get off the plane. It's wet. It's cold. There's one five-star hotel. There's no real nightlife around, and that's what young 21 to, you know, 29, 28-29-year-olds want to do. Portland is weak. I don't want to be here. Now, mind you, if you live here, you you know otherwise because you, you're able to spend more time here. But if all you get is this trip off the plane to the hotel, to the employee store, to the arena, and then back to the bus to go to the plane, yeah, Portland isn't that enticing of a place, at least I don't think. You know, I, I feel differently about the city because I'm from here. I grew up here, so I know all the nooks and crannies to go to. So, but I mean, if the the free agents want to come find some regular Joes and kick it with them, like we'll show them around. But I think it's really hard to kind of convince people to come to a small, remote place that's not incredibly diverse. Well, finding a young person to make that move is even harder. When you, I mean. It's one thing, like, you, you found that when you can get a guy through a trade, let's say, for example, um, Marcus Camby, right? Marcus Camby, we, w- he came here, and all of a sudden he's playing in front of Portland. Portland's going nuts. He's going nuts. Every, like, the, you know, basically women telling him they want to have his babies because he's just turned into a star overnight. Like, towards the end of the season you start you are here and there's the sun and you're like you know what maybe this is a really nice place that's the only way that you can get a free agent is trading for him in his final year and hoping that you can keep him around because at that way at least he gets a little taste of what it can be like here in portland damon stoudemire a player who was from portland went to wilson high school from there went to university of arizona uh, played for the Trailblazers for most of his NBA career. Said personally, and this was in an article a couple of year, a couple of months back, free agents aren't coming to Portland. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to play here. This is coming from a man who played most of his professional career right here in Portland, Oregon, in Northeast Portland at the Rose Garden or the Moda Center now. If he's saying that, what's to make us think, why would we continue to argue that? Like the way the Blazers are going to get better – is through trades. Like, I mean, it's very seldom that you're going to get a guy uh, that signs you. Now, Evan Turner was, you know, that was that was a 
I'm not gonna say he got lucky there because yeah, it looks like he got lucky with all the money that the Blazers offered him. But the last person I can think of that really made an impact as a free agent was Wesley Matthews. Wes Matthews coming from Utah after his rookie year, mind you, and after he had kind of given it to Portland in the playoffs that year, then they were like, okay, well, maybe we'll give you a contract. And that ended up working out for the Trailblazers for a few seasons. You know, I think Wesley Matthews is probably, you know, we talk a lot about Brian Grant being the best free agent that the Blazers have gotten over the past few years. Uh, maybe Wesley Matthews. He may be in the conversation. You almost got uh, Paul Millsap, but you couldn't actually sign him because he, you know... He was a restricted free agent. But the agent. good thing about that, sometimes you've got to be, sometimes almost getting people is good because the Blazers almost got Turkaloo, mm-hmm. and that didn't work out for yeah. the team Turkaloo went, Turkaloo went to. The Blazers almost got, who was that? Uh, was it Earl Monroe or somebody that ended up being just trash, you know, the, the following year? Like, So sometimes almost landing people, you're probably better off because some of those dudes you're just off throwing big money at. Like they were going to off, they were going to make Turkaloo like a big part of this team based off of what he did with his run with with Orlando yeah. and getting all the way to the to the NBA finals. He was about to get a big deal. So that's one of the best things that ever happened to Portland is he Turkoglu saying, "No, eh, my wife doesn't like else. it here." Yeah, yeah. My wife don't like it here. That well when you think about it and you're right, you hit it on the head. You have to do it uh, with certain franchises you have to do it ver, um via trades. When you think about, you know, everybody was, oh, oh, look, Dame's on the sidelines talking with Boogie Cousins. Oh, maybe we can get Boogie. No, Boogie was traded to New Orleans because New Orleans knows the only way to get Boogie in New Orleans is by a trade. And and now he's like, he's there. He's enjoying that town. That's a fun place to be. You know, um, you have one of the young up-and-coming front court players to pair yourself with. Drew Holiday's there. You know, you have a nice little core that's starting in New Orleans now, maybe you can keep them. But that's that's what you have to do as a franchise, especially in a smaller market franchise, is you have to take risks to get a guy that you know might walk away, like a Paul George. Oklahoma City goes, gets Paul George. He's not guaranteed to stay there. He's no. still, you know, he said he wants to go be in L.A. But you know what? You, get, you win 55 games, you go maybe to the Western Conference Finals or the second round of the playoffs, and all of a sudden Paul George has been like, man, it's been a while since I've been here. It's been a while since I won. This is fun. I'm still going to make money. All right. Maybe he stays after that one year. You know, and sometimes it, you know, it, it just doesn't work out. But that's the risk you have to take as a small franchise that knows they're not going to get the uh, premium elite free agents on the market. And it's we got a text here, and we got to get get out of here, but we got a text here on the Bridgeport Beers text line. I know multiple black people leaving Portland because of white supremacy and simmering racism here. We uh, we uh, we're by the numbers the whitest city in America. Why would a young black athlete find? What would a young black athlete find here? I'm not going to say that's the case for everyone, but yeah, there are a, a, a lot of young black. Mind you, these guys are 21, 22 years old. You know, a lot of them want to live in the city where there's things to do in a more kind of diverse city. The one thing we know about Portland is it's not incredibly diverse. That's not a knock on anybody. That's just what it is. I mean, by the numbers, that's exactly what it is. So I'm not going to say that that's the case for everyone, but I think that is a case for a large amount of some of these young, particularly black free agents in, uh, during free agency period. Okay, coming up. The biggest soap opera in all of sports. We're going to talk about the New York Knicks when we come back right here on Sports Sunday in the Fan.
weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. This is the story of the New York Knicks. The soap opera that's been going on since 2014. Since the day Phil Jackson was hired as the president of the New York Knickerbockers. He's done nothing but turn a franchise who was already terrible into the laughing stock of all of sports. Phil Jackson, the Zen master, this Wednesday was released as the president of the New York Knicks. And much to the chagrin of Stephen A. Smith and every other New York Nick pundit, I don't think there's one person that's sad about Phil Jackson being gone. We got the story. We got the the soap opera liner playing in the back because that's exactly what the New York Knicks have been. They've been a soap opera. Since Phil Jackson has come to the Knicks, they've done nothing but the worst business that you could possibly see. What do you mean? I mean, I don't think anybody really, you know, I think they know, but I don't know if anybody's really paid attention to the things the Knicks have done. Now, I'm talking about the Knicks because for whatever reason, as terrible as they've been, there's still a story everywhere because they're the Knicks. And as bad as the Lakers are, they're always going to be a story because they're the Lakers. Well, there are a lot of people kind of like me that, I'll be honest, I, I like to see the Knicks and the Lakers struggle a little bit, man. It's because those are the franchises we sweat so much, New York and L.A. So it's a little cool to see when they're not doing as well. It's not always so complimentary and congratulatory but let's just go through some of the moves phil jackson has made since he's been on the new uh the new york knicks president shall we april 16 2014 he offered lamar odom a contract lamar odom who was still on crack and who's actually suing stephen a smith right now because stephen a made light of it or i guess tried to make fun of the fact that Lamar Odom, who almost died in 2015, mind you, because of his use of crack, how he had received a contract from from Phil Jackson. So uh, I'm not sure what you were thinking about, but you definitely don't want to put, man, a dude that's on crack. Crack is probably the worst drug that you can possibly hire somebody on. Meth, crack, like, uh, uh, that doesn't make sense. Like, Coke, you can probably hide that. You know, I think you can hide the fact that somebody's a pothead or an alcoholic, but crack, no, you definitely see that. So that's that was one thing. Then he was fined for tampering with Derek Fisher when Fisher was still playing for the Oklahoma City Thunder because he wanted him to be coach. And then he actually hired Derek Fisher as the coach. Derek Fisher went five for 36 in his time as the coach of the New York Knicks. Let me say that one more time. Derek Fisher went five for 36 during his time as the coach of the New York Knicks. But he knew how to run the triangle. Oh, yeah, but he knew. But th- that triangle, though, was really, really working. Worked so much, in fact, that then they went out and traded Tyson Chandler and Raymond Felton for Jose Calderon, Samuel Dab- Dallenbort, and Shane, and Shane Larkin. <laughs> Great. And then after that, they draft a dude named Cleanthony Early and Thanius Antetokounmpo, <laughs> who's, who's the Greek freak's younger brother, who I don't think, is he still in the league? I think he's out the league. Okay, no problem. And then you, tr- you sign Carmelo Anthony. 
You give Melo that big, and mind you, at the time, Melo got that $125 million deal, and we all looked at it like, wow, $125 million. And now Steph Curry signing a $201 million deal. And last year we saw Mike Conley sign a $156 million deal. So there was money to be given out. So he went ahead and signed Melo to that, which really handcuffed him moving forward. Then you sign, who was it? Uh, you trained Wayne Ellington for Quincy AC. Uh, you signed Langston Gallery. <laughs> you signed DJ Benga. You <laughs> Just terrible move after terrible move. You trade J.R. Smith and Iman Shumper to the Cavaliers, and, oh, they become champions that year. Or the, 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 the year following, excuse me. Then after that, you trade Pablo Prigioni. Just bad move, bad move. And then most recently, you decide, well, Przingis is on the table. I think James Dolan finally stepped in and said, you know what, man, no. We had you. You were good and everything. When you decided you wanted to go ahead and, and, and try to buy out Melo or talk about Melo doesn't need to be here, I was with you. I, I let it happen. But now you're talking about trading our best player in our future. Yeah, we got to let you go, bro. You, uh, Phil is, Phil's, Phil's an old guy, too. Phil probably should be somewhere napping right now. Well, he probably is considering he was doing it during the draft workouts. Yeah. I, I'd say that's like, yeah, exactly. Didn't he fall asleep? Yes, in, he was, was falling asleep during the draft. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's exactly what he should be doing. He should go ahead and just go, go, you know, cash his AARP check, get out there and, you know, buy a boat. You know, do what old people do. Go sailing, you know what I'm saying? Crochet, golden girls, anything but run an NBA franchise because this is just not your forte. And I think we've given Phil Jackson the benefit of the doubt just because – he is an 11-time champion. You know, he, he, he did coach two, uh, three of the, of the greatest talents that the NBA has ever seen, and Shaq, Kobe, Michael Jordan, and even throw him up Scottie Pippen in between there. He did coach some of the best talent the NBA has ever seen. His claim to fame is the fact that he was able to manage egos. Well, if that's the case, why couldn't you deal with Carmelo's? You mean to tell me Carmelo Anthony's ego was bigger than Kobe's? Bigger than Jordan's? Bigger than Shaq's? who openly told you what he wasn't going to do. So I, it was a situation where Phil Jackson just lost control, really never had control of anything. The Knicks are a laughing stock. They've been a laughing stock. They're an S show, and they have been for years. Prior to Phil Jackson coming, they weren't very good. Prior to Phil Jackson coming, they traded their entire franchise for Carmelo Anthony. When he said, much like Paul George, man, I'm going there. I want to go to New York. Instead of waiting and being patient, they traded their entire uh, uh, roster for him. Silliness. So you're looking at an organization who's never really been that smart, but this may have been the smartest move that James that James Dolan has ever made. You know, we know he made a dumb move earlier in the year with getting into it with Charles Oakley and banning him from the arena and and all type of stuff. But this is the smartest thing. My hats off to James Dolan for making finally a good decision for the New York Knicks. Right. Now you're working on getting rid of Melo, right? I think you have to f figure out how to buy Melo out. And mind you, I love Carmelo Anthony. I am a, a big Melo fan. I still think he can help a franchise win. I don't think he can help a franchise win as the core, as the, 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 the primary scorer, the primary guy on a team. I think he is better suited as a complimentary player at that point, which is not a bad thing to say. You know, I think Kyrie is a complimentary player for LeBron. Does that mean Kyrie is... You know, not top 10, not top 15. No, it just means that he compliments LeBron James. I think at this point, Steph Curry is a great compliment to Kevin Durant, not the other way around. 
So it's that's just kind of the way it is. It's okay for a really good player to be a complimentary to another one, and I think Carmelo can be that fourth player that we continue to talk about for Cleveland that can come in there and help them win today. I think he should be that guy. That guy. We have somebody here on the Bridgeport Beers text line that says, I want Portland to go make an offer for Melo. I don't. Melo is a, a ball stopper. And mind you, I love Carmelo, you know, but nobody has room for mid-range jumpers anymore, at least not on, not on this Blazers team that looks like they're ready to play inside out. I don't know if Carmelo really – mind you, and the, what the Blazers need is a, a wing defender. A really a, a three and D guy. Carmelo's never been a D guy, and that's what the Blazers are really lacking. Because depending on what happens with Evan Turner, I think most of us assume Evan Turner will be here. But you know, I think you know they're going to go without Crab or without uh, Turner. One of those two. We're just not sure which direction they're going to go in just yet. Well, I, I would assume they would keep Crab just based on the fact that he can shoot the three and Turner can't. And you really do need a guy that like that can complement the three. That's the way of the game right now. And that does devalue a guy like Turner, despite the fact that he plays good D. Yeah. Uh, got a text here on the Bridgeport Bears text line. Ben calling Phil Jackson the product of his best players forever. Yeah. That's, that's incredibly plausible, man. I don't understand why people wouldn't want, why more people wouldn't say that. Like Michael Jordan was six for six in the finals. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't Phil Jackson that drew up the play for Jordan to steal the ball from Malone at the end of the game or for Jordan to have his one-on-one shot against uh, Byron Russell or Brian Russell. So, yeah, that, that has a whole lot to do with it. And mind you, the triangle was something that was really unstoppable, especially when Shaquille O'Neal was at the helm of it because there was nothing you could do to stop him. They changed the rules for Shaq. It was so impossible for for anybody to stop that. So, Yes, he he is he is a great coach because the triangle is one of those things that nobody's been able to coach since. You know, it's one thing for people to be able to coach a motion offense or whatever the case is, but to be able to create an offense that nobody else has been able to run since. It's like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar creating a skyhook that no one's been able to replicate since. You know, and it's an unstoppable shot that only one person can do. The triangle is an unstoppable play formation that only one coach has been able to run successfully. So you have to give him his credit as far as that goes. I want Melo back in Denver. That's another text here on the Bridgeport Bears text line. I think there are a lot of people that would take Melo back in Denver. I don't think it helps them win right now, but I think there are a lot of people that would take Melo back in Denver. He had about, what, 10, 7 good years, you know, in in Denver, some 7 to 10 good years there. I can't remember exactly how many, but – Melo was an all-star for every year that he was there, too. Well, I, it, it's funny because I was thinking about this. I heard, uh, I, I believe it was on Dirt and Sprague earlier this week when they, they said, you know. Shout out to Dirt and um, <laughs> Well, this, this is me kind of criticizing one of their comments, but they, Before they basically Jesse said that, you know, Melo, th- that him being in New York proved that he couldn't lead a team. And I, I beg to differ when I, I think of all the years he was in Denver. And carried the Nuggets in the Western Conference. And carried the Nuggets. And a really solid solid Western Conference. That's what we forget. That was a Western Conference that had the the MVP Steve Nash, you know, led Phoenix Suns teams. And and those teams that had San Antonio who were still competing and winning championships. Those Laker teams that were down but then ended up getting better, you know, right around 2007, 2008. There was – Depth in the Western Conference at that time. Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks were still a really good team at that point. And Carmelo Anthony consistently had that team in the playoffs. Weren't winning, but they were in the playoffs every year. So that's something yeah. to be said. Yeah, no, that, I, I can think of another player around that time. There was only one other player that had 
maybe less around him that was doing more, and that was LeBron. Melo never had much around him in Denver, and he was very successful. And the one time Melo did have a star player is when he played with Chauncey Billups. They made it all the way to the conference finals. And if not for two crazy Trevor Ariza inbound steals, then they probably beat the Lakers. And then I think they go on to beat Orlando in the finals, if it's like that. So Melo is a guy that can still contribute to a team. I just don't think he'll be that star player. Okay, coming up next, it's our favorite segment, it looks like it's going to be a pretty easy W for me and Hater to love it. But first, Jesse has Sports Center. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9.36, Sunday morning. Hater to love it. The underdog's on top. Jesse, go ahead and get us going, brother. You don't see this in the UFC. You don't see this with Dana White. But you see this kind of garbage that Jeez. just took place. And clearly, because are they from are those officials from Australia? Are they from Australia? I mean, what did we just see? I it's a horrible decision. I that was uh, Stephen A. Smith uh, really? following uh, <laughs> Pac-Man. Versus the Hornet last night on ESPN. Jeff Horn defeats Manny Pacquiao by unanimous decision. And basically, uh, right there, Stephen A. Smith saying, you don't see this in the UFC. And last night was a great opportunity for boxing to show why its sport is still great. But just show, uh, love or hate, all boxing did last night was show why you should be watching the UFC. Um, love, um, I guess, uh, you're, you're going to, you can, you can, and somebody made a great point earlier on the Bridgeport Beers text line is the fact that, man, you can see people throw fights, you know, all the time. And I think this is one of those things that was like, this was a clear robbery. Uh, we've seen some stuff in UFC. It was like, that guy clearly didn't win that fight. But I'm not sure what they were looking at. Um, sometimes it's a, it's a matter of maybe not liking the fighter. I don't know if there is some beef between the judges and Pacquiao from before. A part of me kind of thinks that pa- Pacquiao's comments, I think this is his first fight since his uh, homosexual uh, comments or his homophobic comments that he's made. It wouldn't surprise me if there were some people from that community that weren't very uh, flat didn't find his comments too flattering, which they weren't. And so, like I said, like I said earlier, it's hard to really feel a lot of sympathy for Pacquiao for him losing right now because of some of the really asinine things that he said in the past. But this right here was just a clear robbery, like in front of everybody. And so, I think when you see people get exposed like that, it's hard to not look at UFC and say, "Yeah, this is." It's very seldom this is going to happen there. There's a history of boxing being thrown. The big fight where you see Ali standing over. Um, was it Sonny Liston uh, with his with his arm kind of flexed? And he's basically telling him, "Get up! Nobody's going to believe this. Nobody's going to believe that I knocked you out." Because the story was Sonny Liston was into the mob for a, a few thousand dollars at that point. So there's a history of things in boxing being rigged, but I think there's a history in things in sports being rigged as well, a la Tim Donahue. So, yeah, I, it's one of those things where you're you're just wondering how I I can understand if it was. It was close. He, he, there were so many things about Horn that was enjoyable to watch last night. His aggression. Um, he he really tried smothering Pacquiao. He was the aggressor all night long. 
Pacquiao kind of played the whole uh, McGregor, or I mean, not McGregor, but uh, Mayweather theme, and he, he played defense and counterpunched all night, and it worked out for him. When you look at the end of the yep. night, you know, um, Horn was uh, beaten to a pulp where Pacquiao, outside those two cuts that were not from legal hits, looked pretty much untouched all night. So when you think about it, I thought this was a... a, a you had a great fight, especially when you watched the the bouts coming up to it. They weren't nearly as enjoyable. You watched the the what was it the bantamweight world WBO championship before that. That was that was ridiculous in comparison to that that fight last night between Pacquiao and Horn. And you think about how much boxing dropped the ball. They had an ability to really maybe have some momentum going into that McGregor Mayweather fight with uh, with a really solid, sweet taste in your mouth. Instead, it's bitter, sour. And I think what you found is is people are going to start going to the UFC for that when they just they they're not going to believe the results anymore. Unless you knock somebody out, they're not going to believe the results in boxing. So real quick, just in case you didn't know, uh, tail of the tape last night, Pacquiao uh, landed 32% of his punches. Uh, Horn landed 15% of his punches. Pacquiao landed 31% of his jabs. Horn landed 10% of his jabs. Pacquiao landed 32% of his power punches. Horn hit with 17%. So that's kind of the tale of how the fight went. It should have gone the favor of Pacquiao, but for whatever reason it wasn't, which is why we're spending so much time today. Well, what I think is really funny is is that they... like Horn threw like a, about 150 more punches, but landed about half as many. So that I mean, that's just it's so telling um, as to how much. I mean, Manny didn't look like the Manny of the past. He's had to change his style. He's 38. You can't just go out there and beat up 29 year olds anymore. But he he showed how much more technically advanced he is than Horn, and it, that that was a travesty last night. And you know what? We're we're gonna we're gonna stick with this theme one more time because um, I really do think this is a big story. And right now, there's not a lot going on. So. Um, Blazers preseason starts in like a week. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, last uh, last night um, at uh, one of the commentators, Atlas, um, had this to say um, about the sport of boxing and I guess what it's not supposed to be. I'm not going to mince words. That stupid practice in the States where some idiot decided to give trophies to everybody just for a good effort. Instead of saying, oh, guy won, guy lost, and you deal with it. You learn. It's part of growing up. It's part of life. They give everybody a trophy. That's what they did tonight. They gave a trophy, a win, a huge win to Horn, the local kid, for trying hard. You're not supposed to get it for trying hard. You're supposed to get it for winning. And I thought Pacquiao won the fight. If you go by the real rules, the Marcus of Queensberry rules, who lands the cleaner punches? Jeez. Yeah, no, he was pretty fired up. Um, I, I, like I said, it's pretty much broke the internet last night. When you think about it, this was this was like ninety nine percent of the world believes Manny Pacquiao won that fight. With that being said, participation trophy given to Horn is uh, uh, love or hate. The rest of the boxing world is still gonna view Manny Pacquiao as the WBO welterweight champion. Of uh, love. Uh, I think the rest of the world that saw the fight would still view Pacquiao as the WBO middle, uh, me- not middleweight, but welterweight. Welterweight champion. So many little weight classes. It's silly. By the way, the welterweight is like this, what, two, two, 110 pounds? Something no, like that? Uh, no, welterweight was, he was like 146. 100. So it's flyweight. Okay. So 
yes, I think they still will, just for the simple fact that if you saw the fight, you know that Pacquiao didn't lose that fight fair and square. It's one thing to be knocked out. It's one thing to be bloodied by the hands of somebody else's glove. It's another thing to be bloodied from a, a couple of headbutts, and for, especially considering the fight was going to be stopped in favor of Pacquiao in the ninth round. The fact that they would still let Horn win, even though the referee was about to stop the fight because Horn couldn't take anymore. His face, again, looked like hamburger meat by, by the middle of the seventh round. That should tell you everything you need to know. Uh, Pacquiao outboxed him. We just came, I just gave you all those numbers as far as jabs, power punches. Pacquiao won in every single category. So why he, why the judges would vote or would, would kind of lean towards Horn uh, is ridiculous to me. I just want to know what the criteria is for being a judge because I think I can do that. I'm pretty sure I can call the fight the right way. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. Uh, it, this is one of those things where this reminds me of uh, one of those movies where it literally uh, a fighter is just given the win and it really is it's like one of those things like he bought it or or his, um, his promoter bought it for him and he truly believes he's the champion but everybody else in the world is like you ain't no champ you a chump and so I feel like it, you know outside of Australia and Australia they're all going to refer to him as the champ but outside of that that country I think a lot of people are going to be giving him more of that you're not a champ you're a chump you didn't earn that belt oh yeah and 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 to be honest, that's sad because he's not he's not the one that stole that belt. The judges stole the belt and gave it to him. He fought hard. He, he left it all out there in the ring. He didn't win, but it, now it sucks that he has to go out there and he's probably going to listen to that kind of stuff. We have a quick uh, message here on the Bridgeport Beers text line. This is why boxing is unwatchable as a main event. UFC gets it right the majority of the time. Yeah, it does. And boxing this is the first time in a long time they've put like a really big fight on cable television. So if they, I figure if they keep moving like this, maybe there is a, history, a future in boxing. But whenever you're charging 60 bucks for a pay-per-view for Pacquiao versus Horn, and then you're going to rob the people like this, more and more people are gonna just going to tune out and go to the other thing. Yep, missed a big opportunity here. Uh, let's do one more quick one, NBA. We've okay. talked a lot of NBA, obviously, free agency. Um, but this is one where I, I think it's going to be interesting for you because I know what you think of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um after the recent acquisitions that they've made, love or hate between the two teams, we, we, we've uh, the Houston Rockets have made a metamorphosis, and so has the Minnesota Timberwolves. Love or hate, uh, Minnesota will finish the season ahead of the Houston Rockets. Hate. Only I have to hate it because um, the one thing that neither one of those teams has is James Harden, and the other thing that neither one of those teams have is um, Chris Paul. Um, Chris Paul is still a top five point guard in the NBA. James Harden is the best two guard in the NBA. Um, you're looking at a team where the you know, Andrew Wiggins is a really good three. Um, he's going to be special at some point. Carl Anthony Towns is special now. But I look at that team and look at them still needing some time to gel. I think James Harden basketball IQ is through the roof, and we know what how you know Chris Paul thinks about basketball. I think it'll take those guys a little bit of a 
I think that that transition can be much easier, especially if we're talking about taking the ball out of Chris Paul's hands or out of James Harden's hands, putting it in Chris Paul's and making James Harden like your primary scorer, your primary jump shooter, your primary. I think that puts Houston in a, in a much different spot. The one thing we know about this current NBA is you have to be able to shoot threes. That's not going to be Minnesota's forte. Um, well, Butler isn't a great three-point shooter. Um, shoot, Teague isn't a great three-point shooter. You're, the best three-point shooter on your team is Carl Anthony Towns if you look at percentages. And so you don't want him shooting a lot of threes. You want him with his back to the basket doing dirt down low. So because of that, I'm, I'm looking at that team. And I'm, then I'm looking at a Mike D'Antoni, who is a very good coach, especially when he has the right um, – horses to kind of work with. And Chris Paul is as good a point guard as you're going to find. James Harden is as, as an elite player as you're going to find in the league. I think they'll take a little less time to, to kind of get it together. Well, I, I'm myself, I'm going to make this really quick. Um, I think this is a, a really tough one just because of how much Houston gave up uh, to get Chris Paul, how much different that team's going to be at the same time. When you have a guy like Chris Paul, uh, a guy like James Harden, um, James Harden proved last year he's capable of elevating the guys around him. Chris Paul has been able to elevate guys around him his entire career. You have two guys, two superstars in this league that can elevate the guys around him where I still think that there's a chemistry thing going on in Minnesota. I still think that there's a culture thing going on in Minnesota and you still have uh, a depth issue going on in Minnesota and they're going to have a little bit of time are going to need some time to find their way. And I think they're going to need more than um, than Houston because just down to the fact that D'Antoni, everywhere D'Antoni goes, it's just it just seems like as soon as he gets on the sideline, those teams click and they do what D'Antoni, D'Antoni's teams always do. They, they just put up mega points. So yeah. I, 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 I still think I, I agree. I, I think Houston um, still takes uh, takes over the the Timberwolves for a, a better seed next year in, in in the standings. Well, go ahead and play the winning music for me. Oh oh oh! You want you want the winning music? You, I want the da, 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 yeah. Play that. There we go. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. You earned it hard. I'll be here all day. Uh, dude. Oh my gosh, you earned that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, coming up, the a subject of my choice. Sports <laughs> on the fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. I absolutely love this song. It's a wrestler's thing. It's uh, Bobby Roode. My son loves this guy. I'll be seeing him at NXT TakeOver. That'll be right here at the Moda Center on July 15th. That'll be cool. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah, my son loves live wrestling, so. I think, see, that's one of those things where uh, I don't know how much fun. I, I don't think I some, I would ever choose to watch on TV, but to go to a, one of those events, I think it would be fun. Oh, it's super cool. It's yeah. super cool. Kind of get a... Uh, you know, get a little tipsy before you go in. Uh, hopefully, you won't be with a kid, but you know, it's it's a it's a good time. And so, uh, last segment is usually a little tougher, just because we don't really know what the hell we're gonna say. I don't even think we've ever really planned for the last segment of the day. But something kind of came up, and I'm, as I was looking at um, ESPN's website, and uh, 
Is, does anybody pay attention to this top 100 list for the for the year, the top 100 players? Does I, anybody pay attention to that? You pay attention to that? At uh, all? It, oh yeah, I, I watch the countdown and I go, oh my gosh, you guys are dumb. Um, you know, because uh, it's all ESPN and SI and all those outlets always like, oh well, here's here's these ten and here's these ten and here's these ten and they like release it over. Oh, couple months yeah this is when football runs out of things to do the, yep. their offseason isn't as isn't as, as exciting so they have to figure out what exactly they're going to talk about but there was one player in particular that I, i'm not gonna say i was bothered by a lot of the the placements of some people like i mean these lists are objective so you know you can feel however you want to about certain players but there's one dude on this list that was ranked 14th that i for sure don't agree with, and I think most football fans would agree. And that is the, the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, ranks in as fourth, the 14th best player in the NFL. This is voted on by the players. I, I'm not sure why Dak Prescott would be in anybody's top 20, but Dak Prescott probably isn't even the 10th best quarterback in the NFL right now. No. He's so, not a top 10. He's not. And so for him to be the 14th overall best overall player in the league voted on by the players of course. That's I don't know. That's that's a little strange. Let's just go over some of the guys that are in front. Or no, let's let's do this. Let's go over the, some of the guys that are behind Dak Prescott. And Jesse, I just want you to tell me if Dak Prescott is better than these guys. <clears throat> Drew Brees. Uh, better, yes. Okay. All right. AJ Green. Uh, better. No, oh no, no. Drew Brees is better. Or AJ Green. Or... AJ Green and Drew Brees are better. Okay. Okay. So, okay so, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. You want That's me fine. to? All right. All right. That's fine. Uh, Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson's better. Luke Keekley. Luke Keekley's better. Um, Richard Sherman. Better. Roethlisberger. Better. Gronk. Better. Russell Wilson. Better. Travis Kelsey. Better. Um, Earl Thomas. Better. So, we just that's that's about ten guys we just named. None of which are, can, we can say Dak Prescott is better than Dak Prescott's not better than any of those guys. So I'm curious of who exactly is doing the voting and what exactly are they drinking before they do said voting, because there there's no way that you would consider Dak Prescott better than Drew Brees at the quarterback or better than Russell Wilson. I don't even like the Seahawks, but Russell Wilson is a top five dude. Now that Peyton Manning is gone, make no mistake about it. Russell Wilson is a top-five quarterback. Now you look at his QBR rating, what he's done, how he's match-rated. He's gotten better every year. He's better from the pocket every year. He's going to be better this season. Um, and no, you, you can't take a guy who had a solid rookie season and elevate him above Hall of Famers. That's just absolutely ridiculous and asinine. The, the voters are the players. And I, I was telling you this right when we were coming out of break. You know, we've had ex-players, we've had Hall of Famers come out and prove they can't evaluate talent. Look yeah. at MJ. MJ can't draft to save Phil his Jackson. life. Right? Phil Jackson. Exactly. Like, just because you're a player doesn't mean you can evaluate talent. And when I look at this list, I would say it's about 50-50 about right. Maybe, maybe even less. You know, you got guys. The top of the list is solid. You know, you have um, Tom Brady, number one. Yeah, I mean, Tom Brady, it, he's the GOAT. Really? He is number one, you know, was. Okay. Von Miller, Khalil Mack, like those are good. But, you know, then you got guys like I Zeke Elliott still to me is not a top 20 player. 
they have him in the top 20. His offensive line is a top 10 player. There you go. So there it is. That bittersweet music means it's time to get up out of here. I've had an awesome time. Thank you so much for interacting with us. The Bridgeport Beers text line 55305. Continue to get at us all day, though. I'll be on the Twitter machine at TaylorMade503 at Jesse Osman. You can interact with us all day. I'll be around. I'm about to hit this river, though, fam. Go get me a keg or so and be out there. If you want to hit your boy up, go ahead and hit me up on Twitter. And we'll see what it is. For my man Jesse Osmond, I'm Rashad Taylor. Enjoy your Sunday. Peace. Omaha! 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 This one's for Pat! He gave me the nicest, longest piece of meat. Mmm. Mmm. So good. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.